Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the From the Booth podcast. This is the first episode of what I hope is many episodes in this podcast. Um, basically, to give you a quick overview, this is going to be a NFL football-centric podcast. I'm going to sprinkle in some pop culture references, some references to nerd culture, everything like that. But this is a NFL-focused podcast. I'm going to be discussing uh, the latest news. I'm going to be analyzing things. I'm going to be giving predictions. Um, I'm hoping, if everything all goes well, to have weekly uploads of everything. My goal right now is to do two podcast episodes a week and to have them on Monday and Thursday, and as well as two other videos um, on this channel as well, if you're watching on YouTube. So you should expect probably four uploads a week. That's my current goal. And then um, for the podcast, two uploads a week, which will be available on every podcast platform, including YouTube. So before we get any farther, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of my uploads. Um, if you're on Apple Music or Spotify or or Anchor, or any of those other podcast platforms, make sure to give me a follow there so you don't miss any of my upcoming episodes. I promise you, I'll be having a lot of episodes coming for you. There'll be a lot of good content coming that you don't want to miss. So make sure to subscribe, make sure to follow. And if you like this video, give it a like, throw a comment. You know, those are all things I really appreciate. It helps me out just because, you know, I'm starting off. Um, all that engagement is good. I love it. Appreciate it. But yeah, so if you enjoyed, make sure to subscribe, um, make sure to like, comment what you think, and uh, let's get on right to it. All right, so right off the dome, we've got a two pieces of news to talk about today. The first piece of news, which came out earlier this morning, was that Nathaniel Hackett was actually hired to be the offensive coordinator for the Jets. Now, I feel like we're hearing the same story we heard last year, and it's a bit of a broken record at this point with Nathaniel Hackett being hired somewhere because of his connection to Aaron Rodgers. I feel that's likely the case here with the Jets, who are – possibly the highest potential suitors for Aaron Rodgers if he were to get traded away from Green Bay. Obviously, he had that working relationship with Nathaniel Hackett as his offensive coordinator in 2020 and 2021, both years in which Aaron Rodgers won MVP. So there is definitely a level of familiarity familiarity with them and a level of comfort that they have. Um, obviously, Aaron flourishes in his system based on his results. So I think in that in and of itself is a fine move. However, I think the Broncos basically made the same move last year when they hired Nathaniel Hackett because if you remember, we had this whole Aaron Rodgers saga last year and they tried to trade for Aaron Rodgers and there were rumors that Aaron Rodgers going to Denver and da-da-da. What ended up happening was um, they traded for Russell Wilson and to much to my chagrin as a Seahawks fan, but they did trade for Russell Wilson. And whether it was Nathaniel Hackett or if it was Russell Wilson, that marriage just didn't work. And, you know, we'll see... Uh, coming this year uh, and coming into next year, who who really caused the the rift? Who really caused the the lack of production? Was it Russell Wilson maybe losing some of his ability, or was it Nathaniel Hackett just being asked? Um, I would tend to lean on the Nathaniel Hackett aspect of it. I just don't think he was able to uh, control the team to run the team as a head coach. Um, obviously, he had experience as offense coordinator with the Jaguars and with the Packers, but. He just didn't seem like he could rally the troops. He couldn't get the guys to bind together. I mean, the Broncos every week seems like we're fighting on the sidelines. They were throwing shade at each other. Like, it just wasn't a pretty picture. So I think that we'll see definitely a big improvement from Russell Wilson next year. But more specifically, in terms of Nathaniel Hackett, I think that he is back to what he's better at, and it's being an offensive coordinator with the Jets. Obviously, the Jets, you know, they just fired uh, their offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. Um, who knows what's going on with quarterback with them? Zach Wilson, is it Mike White? Is it Joe Flacco? So 
trading for Aaron Rodgers is something that makes sense. And it's something that they've actually acknowledged. Um, it's reported that they would be willing to give Green Bay two or more first round picks to go and get Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, the Jets, they've been in a very aggressive team. So I think that they understand that they have a competing roster outside of quarterback. I mean, they have two guys who are in rookie of the year contention. Um, they've got a great defense. They have, I think, what I think is a really good head coach in Robert Sala. It's just that that quarterback. They just haven't been able to get it down pat. So I think training for Aaron Rodgers would be a good move. And I think having Nathaniel Hackett as his play caller, as his guy, is a great move for Aaron Rodgers because we've seen them together and we know that they can work magic together, right? So then the other bit of news that came out today was that Frank Reich was actually hired to be the Panthers head coach. Now, I actually like this move. I thought Frank was a great head coach. I think we saw um, maybe maybe underachieved a little bit with the Colts, but I don't really consider them to be a great roster. And then we saw what happened when they brought in Jeff Saturday and they were one of the worst teams in the league. So I think Jeff Saturday's incompetence actually helped show teams how good Frank Reich is and what a quality coach he is. Do I think this is a home run grand slam Panthers are going to the Super Bowl? No, I don't think so. But sometimes that's not what you need. Sometimes you don't need the big sexy hire. You don't need the, you know, offensive coordinator under Andy Reid or you don't need a whatever. You just need a guy who's going to be mature, who's going to handle the team, who can lead um, and who can get them to a place where they can compete for the playoffs. I think the Panthers have some great young pieces. Love J.C. Horn. Love Brian Burns. Um but right now, obviously, they're a mess at quarterback. Um, they, their offensive. Oh, that's another thing. Their offensive line is is pretty good. I like Iki Aquanu, um, but they're a mess at quarterback. And one thing that does worry me is that his downfall in Indianapolis was because of, I I believe, because of his failures to um, rectify the quarterback position. I mean, if you look at what they had, they had Andrew Luck his first year, I believe. Andrew Luck retired. That's not his fault. But then since then, they've had Phil Rivers, they've had Carson Wentz, and they've had Matt Ryan. You're not winning playoff games with those guys. No offense, but you're, you're really not winning playoff games with any of those guys. And um, no matter how good the Colts' defense was or no matter how good, you know, the skill guys were, like Jonathan Taylor or the offensive line with Quentin Nelson, their quarterbacks just held them back. So my big concern, if I'm a Panthers fan, is that Frank Wright couldn't figure out the quarterback situation in Indianapolis, and that's what the Panthers need, right? Um I mean, last year, you know, you had Sam Darnold, you had Baker Mayfield, you had P.J. Walker. Like, those guys, they're not inspiring much confidence. Um, and then, obviously, you have you do have Matt Corral on the bench, which I think is is fine. Um, you know, that's, but, that's again, that's nothing like, you know, it's not a really good quarterback. It's just, okay, he's young. Maybe he could be something. Um, however, the Panthers do have a high draft pick. So I do believe that they will take a quarterback with that pick. I'm, I'm almost certain they will take a quarterback with that pick. Whether that be Bryce Young, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Frank Reich's main objective is going to be to get that down pat and make his quarterback good to lead this young group of Panthers players to the pro season, to the playoffs, to the Super Bowl, hopefully eventually, right? Can he do that? I don't know. But I think that in terms of guys who you want to talk about, a low ceiling, a high floor, I think his floor is very high. I think at worst he's going to be a well-respected um, quality coach who has control of the locker room, who's mature, who's been there. He's a veteran guy. Um, will he have the ceiling of maybe like a Kyle Shanahan, a Sean McVay? Probably not. But again, I think a higher floor, a lower ceiling is kind of the guy that Frank Reich is. 
I think that's quality. And I don't think that the Panthers will, I don't think this is going to blow up in their face is what I'm basically saying. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, basically, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, it's the first hiring of the whole coaching cycle. So we'll see how Frank Reich does in Carolina. All right. So speaking more on like the coaching carousel and the who's getting hired, where whole storm that's going on right now. Um, we're at kind of a standstill, I would say, because it is the NFC Championship game, AFC and NFC Championship game. Um, so there's a few weeks before the Super Bowl. So a lot of candidates are in the process of interviewing, but a lot of the coordinators that are still coaching playoff teams are obviously focused on their teams and are not focused on interviewing elsewhere, or I'm not, I'm sorry, and not focused on getting hired elsewhere just yet. Um, but there have been a lot of interviews. There have been a lot of reports um, and rumors that have been going around about who's going to get hired where. So I just kind of wanted to run down a list with you guys really quick to see kind of who we think is going where. All right, so the first team up into the coaching candidacy carousel, try saying that five times fast, is the Texans. Now, the Texans, it's reported, have done interviews with many people. Um, the owner, McNair, has been talking that the process has been going very well and everything like that. So, obviously, the Texans, you know, they're not a very good team. They're not. And um, I think what's very enticing about the Texans, though, is the fact that they do have the second overall pick. And so you can basically get your guy – uh, who you want at quarterback, assuming the Bears either don't trade the pick or take a non-quarterback. You can basically you can basically um, take your pick on who you want at quarterback. Um, so it's it's a fairly enticing job, and I think that the Texans, they're not completely devoid of talent. They have some young guys that I think could be good. I think Damian Pierce showed flashes last year, Derek Stingley, um, Jalen Petrie. Like those, those guys can be solid, and they can be morphed into some studs. So I think the Texans, the three main candidates right now, are going to be two from the Eagles, actually. Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, which that is my favorite pick for the Texans job. I think that would be great. I think Jonathan Gannon has done a great job with the Eagles. And I think if the Texans want to get back to being where they're at, um, you have to, you have to, have to, have to play good defense. Trevor Lawrence is going to be in your division. If you don't have a pass rush, if you don't have a good defense, he's going to run through that division for the next 10 years. I mean, we talk about a lot in the AFC West with Mahomes just running rampant through the AFC West. That will be Trevor Lawrence if you don't have the defense to combat him. So defense, 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 obviously, I think is a good move. Um, similarly, they've also interviewed the Eagles offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. Um, I like that. I think that works if if they take a quarterback at two. I think that really works to mold like a Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis type of guy, uh, as he did with Jalen Hurts. So I think that would be really cool. Um, and then the last one, which I think is the most interesting, is D'Amico Ryans. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is the current defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Obviously, he's done a fantastic job. The 49ers defense has been, in my opinion, the best defense all year. Um, a lot of people were really spectacled when Robert Sala left for New York. Uh, how would D'Amico Ryans fill in? D'Amico Ryans has done a fantastic job. Every report is 10 out of 10, amazing, awesome. Talk to my friends who are Niners fans. They love him. They're sad to see him go. Um, D'Amico Ryans. But the interesting thing about this job is that if you guys don't know, D'Amico Ryans actually played many years in the NFL for the Texans. Um, so it would kind of be like a homecoming, like a surreal moment to have uh, like a superstar come back and coach the team all those years later. I think that'd be really cool. Now, if I'm D'Amico Ryans, I don't know if I take the Texans job. And that's just because I think he has such a high pedigree as a defensive coordinator and he's got such a good gig in San Francisco that I would probably only go to a team that I think I would succeed with because 
it kind of happens a lot every year where coaches, there are some coaches that kind of have a great year and then they get an opportunity, right? D'Amico Ryans will not, not have opportunities. He's going to be great next year, regardless where he's at. So if he stays with the 49ers, he will, he might have an even better opportunity next year. So if I were him, I would consider staying with the 49ers coaching that great defense for another year, um, building your resume even further to try to get a better job. Um, or I might take a job like the Denver Broncos. Um, you know, that, that's just me personally. So now going on to the Broncos actually and smoothly transitioning into what I was about to say, um, it does appear by some accounts that he is the favorite for the Broncos job. Now, like I was saying with me, if I was D'Amico Ryans, I would go to the Broncos. Here's why. You have a lot of what you have in San Francisco and Denver and that great defense. Um, you got, you know, a great Denver defense. They have studs all over the field. And I think in Denver, you also have um, a former, hopefully can be future, superstar quarterback in Russell Wilson. Um, you got receivers. You got good running backs. So if they can rehabilitate, quote unquote, Russell Wilson and help him become what he was in Seattle, then this is a great job. I mean, you have your quarterback, you got a great defense. Um, I think just nail down a good offensive coordinator and and then you're set in Denver. So I would try to go to Denver. Um, some other Denver candidates have been Sean Payton. Sean Payton's name has been kind of floated around a lot of places. Um, I think two things with Sean Payton that are interesting is that he has told Colin Cowherd on his show, if you watch it, that he wants to go somewhere with a great owner and a great quarterback. And um, with the Broncos, you know, the new owners, the the changing of the of the ownership of the Broncos is now in the Walmart family. And then um, the quarterback, like I said, Russell Wilson, who can be great, has shown he can be great, just maybe I think had a bad year with Nathaniel Hackett as his, as his um, coach. So I would not put Sean Payton past that job. I think that that's that could be highly likely that that happens, but we will have to see. Um, another Broncos defense coordinator, another Broncos candidate is Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, you know, he was the defensive coordinator in Seattle during the Legion of Boom days. Then went on to Atlanta, won a Super Bowl there, um, and then kind of you know disappointed towards the end of his tenure in Atlanta, and has really redeemed himself as defensive coordinator with the Cowboys. The Cowboys have been great. Micah Parsons specifically, I think, is his golden child. Um, he has turned that man into an absolute beast. Going on to the next team. The Arizona Cardinals. Now, again, uh, Sean Payne's name has been floated around here, but I don't think he's going to go to the Cardinals. And the reason I say that is because, like I said, he emphasized the point of he wants he wants a stable quarterback. And Kyler Murray's a question mark for more than one reason. A, his ACL is currently torn, and who knows how long he's going to be out. Maybe he misses half the year. I'm sure Sean Payne does not want to does not want to have half the year without his star quarterback. Cool. And B. Kyler kind of has an ego problem. Um, I'm sure it's well documented. You guys have seen it. But Kyle, Kyler is kind of immature. He's kind of, um, uh, I don't want to say, he's egotistical. Like, let's, let's just be real. And I don't think Sean Payne is going to want to come out of retirement and have to babysit Kyler Murray. That, that's just me personally. I, I don't think that. Um, so those are some of the kind of, um, you know, coordinators and and teams that are kind of in this coaching carousel right now. Um, you do have uh, some other coordinators out there that are, are looking for work that, um, you know, maybe there's open coordinator jobs elsewhere or whatever. Um, one name that I think that I think is worth mentioning is Steve Wilkes. 
who I think did a great job with the Panthers last year after Matt Rule was canned. Um, he took over, really established himself as a as a great leader of the team, almost won them the division if they would have beat Tampa in the end of the year right there with basically a depleted roster. I mean, they traded Christian McCaffrey, they traded Robbie Anderson, and they fired their coach, and they got better because of Steve Wilkes. And obviously, Steve Wilkes was you know given an opportunity so many years ago in Arizona, only one year. He was destined to fail like that. That that I don't really put too much blame on him on that. That roster was terrible. Josh Rosen was terrible. So I would keep Steve Wilkes in mind for some of these um, coaching hires. Um, one other team I would like to mention is the Colts. Um, it looks like the Colts, by all reports, are going to run it back with Jeff Saturday. Um, I I I don't know what to tell you. I um, you know, y- you know, I don't I don't know. Um. The Colts, man, man, I don't know why Jeff Saturday was even hired in the first place. I don't know what what he did to make Jim Ursay want to want him to keep his position. I I just kind of throw my hands in the air. I I don't know. So we'll see where that goes, I guess. And if you're a Colts fan, then then good luck. All right, for this next segment, let's go ahead and break down and get into the awards finalists that were announced by the NFL. Um so we do kind of get the finalists for the awards. And to be honest, there's not too many shockers here. I kind of want to go through and give my predictions on who will win. And maybe if I disagree in a spot or two, um, I'll bring that up as well. So MVP, the award finalists are Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Jefferson. I think that's a solid list. I think those guys were all amazing this year. Josh Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, you know, probably the three or four best uh, – and Hurts, I'm sorry, the, the four best quarterbacks this year and then – Justin Jefferson, they, they kind of got to throw in a non-quarterback just to make people think that there's a chance. We all know it's going to a quarterback, though. Um, and I think we all know that it's going to Mahomes. I think Jalen Hurts would have had a really good shot had he not gotten hurt. But unfortunately, his injury missing those few games, um, it showed it, – it slowed down his his pace, and Mahomes was able to leapfrog him, I believe. Um, I think Mahomes deserves this for a few reasons. Before before I get into it, let me let me talk about Jalen Hurts. One thing that I have a problem with with the MVP race is it's almost like the Heisman Trophy where it's literally just about, it's almost always just about stats, right? People just give it to the guy with the best stats. What I will say is in both of those games that Jalen Hurts missed, the Eagles were a significantly worse team. And I remember the discourse when he was hurt and they said, oh, he was going to miss the Cowboys game. It was, oh, well, the Eagles will be fine. Oh, they have a great team. Oh, Gardner Gardner Minshew can do everything Jalen Hurts does. No, he can't. No, he can't. Jalen Hurts, that's a good, don't get me wrong, it's a good team. It, it is a good team. Jalen Hurts takes them to a whole nother level. They looked like a completely significantly worse team with Gardner Minshew. And I know Gardner Minshew is a quality backup, but the drop-off between Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts was very evident. So, in my head, that strengthens his MVP case because it increases his, his level of being valuable, um, which is the middle uh, you know, acronym in the, in the whatever um but he is definitely very valuable to the eagles so i don't want to hear this gardner Minshew could do it da, da, da. No. no mahomes deserves it and here's why a mahomes had a fantastic year amazing awesome great we all know that i don't need to run through all the mahomes stats y'all have, y'all have heard it before here's what i will say though the reason patrick mahomes deserves mvp if nothing else is because of this reason in the offseason the chiefs traded away traded away his number one wide receiver, who was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. After they did that, 
the Chiefs were picked, oh, maybe they'll be third. Maybe they'll miss the playoffs. Maybe people were picking the Chargers, the Broncos. I even heard some people pick the Raiders over the Chiefs in the division. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were not expected to be number one seed. They were not expected to host the AFC Championship game. Everybody and their mother was crowning Buffalo, was crowning Cincinnati. I even heard some people throwing the Chargers over them. Everybody was was out on the Chiefs. Sell, sell your Chiefs stock. It's over. It's over. Okay. So Mahomes' weapons this year, Travis Kelsey, who we all know is great. But then he's got old, out-of-his-prime Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay, cool. Sky Moore. Okay, cool. Kadarius Toney came midseason. Okay, cool. His running back one for the majority of the season was a rookie seventh rounder, Isaiah Pacheco. Cool. And despite that, and, and despite not having a great defense, the Chiefs were rolling. The Chiefs were rolling. Patrick Mahomes threw for a million yards, threw for a million touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes was great. And I just brought up the point of Jalen Hurts being very valuable to the Eagles. What player is more valuable than Patrick Mahomes is to the Chiefs? Like, what player in the NFL, what quarterback in the NFL could you trade away their best receiver, give them a bad defense, a subpar offensive line, rookie seventh rounders starting, rookie receivers starting, and guys coming in that are, you know, not didn't do anything in New York when they came. What what other quarterback could you give that to and have them be the number one overall seed and hosting the AFC Championship game? I I don't think anybody, you know, um, you know, this is not bashing Jalen Hurts, but the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown this year, right? The Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. Um, the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase fifth overall. They all gave their quarterback superstar wide receivers, and that's what Mahomes had at a time. But they traded away they traded away Tyreek Hill. They allocated more resources elsewhere, right? So for him to do what he did after the Chiefs traded away their their wide receiver one is is just amazing. Like it's it's just amazing. So um, I think Mahomes deserves it. I think he's going to get it. But Jalen Hurts, I commend your effort, my friend. Um, let's go on to Defensive Player of the Year. The three candidates are Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, Micah Parsons. All three guys had a great year. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. As a Seahawks fan, I can say this with full authority, that Nick Bosa is the Defensive Player of the Year. Nick Bosa destroys games. And I understand Chris Jones does as well. And I understand Michael Parsons is, is great in his own right. To me, there's no better pass rusher in the game right now than Nick Bosa. He is his technique, his form, his footwork, his his strength, his his pass rushing skills, they're all top of the line. Top of the line. Nick Bosa's the best pass rusher in the NFL. Um, and he is one of the main reasons why the 49ers defense is a game away from the Super Bowl at the very least. They've been the best all year. And that's because of him. Um, to see him do what he does on a daily basis, it's it's just phenomenal. Um, I wish he wasn't in my division and he wasn't sacking my quarterback twice twice a year, but um, he's a defense player of the year. I think I think we can all agree with that he's just on another level. So in my opinion, Nick Bosa should win it. I won't dismiss the case for Chris Jones, however. Um, I mean, you, if you look at his stats, like his double team percentage is insane. Um, you know, and obviously the Chiefs are also a game away from the uh, Super Bowl. So won't take anything away from Chris Jones. Nick Bosa, to me, is just my defensive player of the year. Moving on to offensive player of the year, which is kind of, I like to call it the mini MVP award because always goes to an offensive player. And it seems to be just the runner-up for MVP award every year. The offensive player of the year candidates are Mahomes, 
Tyreek, Justin Jefferson, and Jalen Hurts. Um, in my opinion, I I think this should go to Justin Jefferson. Um, Justin Jefferson has been the most productive wide receiver pretty much since he entered the league. He's just been a um, fantasy monster. You will know if you have him on your fantasy team. Um, he's been a receptions machine. He's been amazing. Um, he has made some of the best. I mean, the, the catch he had against the Bills, you know, that one-handed, that, that's just insane. And that's the type of play that wins you awards, right? Um, in, in college football, they call it like the Heisman moment. Um, I'm calling that his offensive player of the year moment. Like that was on fourth down against the Bills, just an insane catch. And I think that that wins him the award when you go, when you also you look at his his production levels, right? One argument that you can make against Justin Jefferson, however, is that it seemed at the end of the year, he was a lot less productive, like in the playoff games and in the last couple of games of the year. But I think if you want to nitpick and just say, oh, he didn't have as good of a game the last few Mm, it's a little wishy-washy. I think you look at his body of work throughout the whole year and um, his production throughout the whole year. I think that's a great example that he deserves to be the offensive player of the year. Um, but again, you know, you want to, you want to tell me it's, it's Jalen Hurts. You want to tell me it's, it's, um, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill. I could see that, but honestly, I would, I would give it to Justin Jefferson. And again, let's be real. Justin Jefferson is a final for MVP. He's not going to win it. Only quarterbacks win MVP. We know this, right? Um, so I would give I would give Justin Jefferson the Offensive Player of the Year award. This reminds me a few years ago um, when Aaron Rodgers won MVP, um, and everybody was clamoring for Derrick Henry, but then Derrick Henry ended up winning Offensive Player of the Year. So it kind of it kind of settled itself out. Um, all right, let's go to Offensive Rookie of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year. We've got Kenneth Walker, my guy. We've got Garrett Wilson, and we've got one more. Brock Purdy. I don't know why I was blanking on that. Brock Purdy. Okay, I'm gonna eliminate Brock Purdy right off the bat. Dude only started six games, right? It's an it's a it's a regular season award. So what he does in the playoffs, well, maybe good, shouldn't count to the award. So I'm gonna eliminate Brock Purdy off the bat. But I will say the story of Brock Purdy is great. I'm not gonna gas up the 49ers anymore because I hate those I hate those guys. Okay, Brock Purdy's out. Kenneth Walker and Garrett Wilson. All right, as much as a Seahawks fan as I would love to give it to Kenneth Walker because I do think that he was great, ran for over a thousand yards, um, stepped in valiantly for the injured Rashad Penny, uh, played great. Um, I think he's going to be a stud going forward. I would give this award to Garrett Wilson. Um, I think for him to put up the kind of numbers that he did with the shaky at best quarterback play of the Jets is fantastic. I think some of the plays he made were incredible. And I think that he is the face of the next crop of superstar wide receivers that are going to enter this league and, and dominate for years to come. So would give that to uh, the Jets there, unfortunately, over the Seahawks. I think the Jets and the Seahawks definitely have the best drafts of this year. And um, they both have master classes. I mean, let's be real. John Schneider and Joe Douglas, they, they know the shit, right? Going on to defensive player of the year, we also have a Jet and a Seahawk in Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen. And then we have the Lions, Aiden Hutchinson as well. I am going to be a little bit of a homer on this one and say it deserves to go to Tariq Woolen. Here's why. I think I think Sauce Gardner benefits a lot from the New York market that he plays in, and here's why. Right, The Jets, they get a lot more media coverage than the Seahawks do. Their games are probably more televised than the Seahawks do. Um, additionally, and this is something I found out on Twitter the other day, the All-Pro voters, 35 or 36 of the 50 All-Pro voters reside in New York. So there is kind of that inherent bias to put in Sauce Garner as an all-pro over Tariq Woolen. 
Um, Tariq Wollin had more turnovers, had more passes defense, I think was a bigger playmaker. And not that I want to play into that kind of excuse, but I do think that Sauce Garner kind of got away with a little pass interference here and there. Um, but Tariq Wollin was fantastic all year. Additionally, I think, not that this counts for anything really, but I think the fact that he was a fifth round pick versus Aiden Hutchinson being the second pick and Sauce Gardner being the fourth or fifth pick, I believe, should play into the fact that, you know, there were no expectations for Tariq Woolen and that uh, Sauce Gardner, while he did have a great year, was kind of expected to be that. So I would give the defensive defensive rookie of the year award to Tariq Woolen. Personally, some more awards. We have comeback player of the year. Our nominees are Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Geno Smith. Now, again, call me biased, call me a homer. I'm going to give this to Geno Smith, and here's why. When is the last time? Now, we now we, we often refer to comeback as coming back from an injury, right? And that's cool. I, I don't disagree with that. But I would like to make the argument that Geno Smith's comeback from irrelevancy is almost greater. Here's why, right? Tell me a story of a quarterback who, for 10 years, who started maybe started off his career a starter, got benched for 10 years, for a decade pretty much, came in and replaced a Pro Bowl superstar quarterback and was better. He was better than Russell Wilson. He set franchise records that Russell Wilson hadn't even set. He was fantastic. He was amazing. He was in hibernation for nine, 10 years. We saw glimpses of him last year when Russ was hurt. But we really saw Geno Smith ascend and, and rise from the ashes. So for that reason, I'm going to give him comeback player of the year. Um, did Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey come back from bigger injuries and have good, great years? Yes, of course they did. But I think if you look at the rarity of what Geno Smith did and how he came back from, from again, his, his exile to the bench, um, that's the reason I'm going to give Geno Smith the award. And I think that he deserves it very much. So this award right here that I'm going to talk about now, Coach of the Year Award, I have a bone to pick with this award. So first, before I get into that, let me give you the candidates. Brian Dable of the Giants, awesome. We have um, Doug Peterson of the Jaguars. We have Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. We have Nick Sirianni of the um, Eagles. And we have Sean McDermott of the Bills. Great coaches. They did a great job. I want to highlight a few guys in particular. Brian Dable took over the Giants, completely reinvented them, completely transformed the career of Daniel Jones. If I'm Daniel Jones, man, I I am thanking Brian Dable up and down for the rest of my life. He made that man so many millions of dollars in one year playing, uh, coaching him. Great job. Doug Peterson took the Jaguars, who had the first overall pick, took them a game away from the AFC Championship game. Fantastic job Doug Peterson did. And Nick Sirianni um, took the Eagles, who last year were a playoff team, but he took them to the next level took Jalen Hurts to the next level, took the defense to the next level. I mean, the, the the Eagles are just basically a souped-up version of what they were last year. All three of those guys did, did a great job. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan and Sean McDermott are two I want to talk about here. And I have, a, I have a little bone to pick. So, I'm very upset that Pete Carroll was not a finalist for Coach of the Year. I think Pete Carroll and Dan Campbell should have replaced um, Sean McDermott and Kyle Shanahan. And here's the two reasons why. Is Kyle Shanahan a great coach? Absolutely. Is Kyle Shanahan worthy of being coach of the year? Absolutely. But in my opinion, the coach of the year award should go to the coach who helped elevate his team the most, 
who helped made them as good as possible, who without them, the team wouldn't have been nearly as good as it was. It wouldn't have its identity. It wouldn't have something about it, right? Kyle Shanahan has a great team, okay? And the defense is fantastic. He's got a great defensive coordinator. What I will say with Kyle Shanahan that I do think puts him above Sean McDermott is what he had done with the quarterback position, Trey Lance getting hurt, Jimmy Garoppolo stepping in, doing well. Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, stepping in, doing good. So Kyle Shanahan, you can keep. I don't have as much of a problem. But Sean McDermott, I'm I'm really confused about. Here's why. Going into the year, everybody expected the Bills to be good. The Bills got great players. They have great defense. They have a great quarterback. They have good wide receivers. What did Sean McDermott do that elevated the Bills? What coaching job did he do to make the Bills a better version of what they could have been? If you would have talked to Bills fans before the start of this year and said, yeah, you guys will lose in the divisional round by like two or three scores, Bills fans would not have liked that. Bills fans would not be happy with that. And I think if you look at Sean McDermott, there were a lot of games this year where he got outcoached. I mean, I would argue that Mike McDaniel outcoached him three times and lost two of them, right? I mean, Mike McDaniel, I don't know it's the playoffs. It shouldn't count to the awards. But Mike McDaniel outcoached him in a playoff game, lost by three points when he had Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Like, that that's your coach of the year? We all know Sean McDermott's not going to win. But that's your coach of the year? Now let's take it back to Seattle with Pete Carroll. You would have told Seahawks fans at the beginning of the year that the Seahawks would go 9-8 and eight and would have a lead at halftime of a playoff game. They would be appalled. Many, every media member, myself included, not that I'm a media member, but every, every person who talks football thought the Seahawks were going to be one of, if not the worst teams in the league. I mean, I had 3-14 and 14 thrown out there. I heard I heard some 1-16s. I heard 2-15. and 15. The Seahawks were supposed to be really bad. And that's okay. They just traded Russell Wilson. They're going to have a high draft pick from themselves. They're going to have the Broncos pick. It was all good. To tell Seahawks that they would go 9-8, and eight, make it to the playoffs, have a lead at a playoff game, what the hell? And not to mention have a fifth overall pick. Thank you, Denver. But the job that Pete Carroll done has done with Seattle this year is significantly more impressive than what Sean McDermott did with the Bills. The Seahawks were expected to do nothing. The Bills were expected to be great really weren't even, I would argue that Sean McDermott underperformed. The Seahawks greatly overperformed. The Seahawks had two rookie of the year finalists, neither of which were taken in the first round. They had two rookie starting tackles. They had rookie players on defense making plays. Like this is a recipe for if I tell you that they had they had as many snaps from the rookies as they did, if I had to tell you they traded Russell Wilson, they did all this, did all that you probably think it's one of the worst teams. And it should have been. The Seahawks, I, nobody expected the Seahawks to be this good. This just goes to show what how great of a job Pete Carroll did, how much better he made the Seahawks. And the Seahawks' identity, the Seahawks have always adopted Pete Carroll's identity throughout his whole tenure. The Seahawks have always been fun. They've always been energetic. They've always made big plays. That's Pete Carroll's brand. That's Pete Carroll's style. Pete Carroll's also been... Pete Carroll's area of specialty has always been defensive backs. Going back to his years at USC with, you know, Troy Palmalu, Taylor Mays, all those guys. Come well, what does he do this year? He has, oh, and another thing I forgot to mention about Pete Carroll. In the first week of the year, the Seahawks' highest paid player, Jamal Adams, was out for the rest of the year. He got hurt and he's out for the rest of the year. So you have all of these things working against you. So you'll look at the, the DBs. The DBs were fantastic this year. Quandre Diggs was great. Ryan Neal stepped in and played really well. 
obviously we've already talked about Tariq Woolen, how good he was. I think Mike Jackson and and Kobe Bryant played meaningful minutes and were fine, were great at times. Um, so I'm very upset that Pete Carroll didn't make Coach of the Year award um, the finalist. And I think that that Sean McDermott being on the list is very puzzling to me. Again, Kyle Shanahan, I can understand. I can I can live with Kyle Shanahan. Um, but Pete Carroll or Sean McDermott over Pete Carroll to me just makes zero sense. I also want to say I think an honorable mention for this list could be Dan Campbell. Um, I do think it sucks that the uh, Lions didn't make the playoffs. That probably was was the deciding factor on whether to put him in or not. Uh, the Lions didn't make the playoffs, but the Lions at one point were one in six. You know, everybody was saying Dan Campbell's getting fired. Who is this guy? Whatever. And throughout the second half of the year, you saw a different Lions team. You saw the Lions finally transform into that identity. I, I was talking just about identity with, with Pete Carroll. You saw them transform into their identity with Dan Campbell. They were hard-nosed. They were tough. They were gritty. Um, They were not just going to lie down and let you punch them in the throat. They were the ones that were doing the punching. Um, I think, you know, their defense got better. Uh, their defense started making plays. Their offense got a lot better. So I think Dan Campbell is an honorable mention, definitely. Um, and he is a guy who could be in the running next year if the Lions make the jump that people think they're going to make. But until that happens, um, I don't disagree with Dan Campbell being a non-finalist. Um, but I would also see if you put him in there. So, Dan, I just, I just want to throw Dan Campbell out there and just just tell everybody what I was thinking about him. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for the first episode of the podcast. Um, I'm still trying to iron out all the technical stuff, get that up. But I did want to get an episode out for you guys today, um, get my first episode out of the way, kind of get shake the nerves off. Um, before we kind of go ahead and get out of here, though, I do want to give my predictions on record for the AFC and the NFC Championship games. Um, I am recording this on Thursday. Hopefully, it will be out later in the day Thursday. Um, so my predictions is I think the Bengals and Chiefs will be a close game, but I think Mahomes is just too good to lose to Joe Burrow four times in a row. I think the Chiefs beat the Bengals. Um, I think they find a way to work around his ankle injury, and I do think the Chiefs win. Now going to the Eagles and the 49ers, as much as it pains me to say this, I do think that the 49ers are too hot, their coach is too good, and their defense is too talented for them to lose to the Eagles. Um, I think the Eagles' lack of playoff experience up until this point were kind of bite them. Um, they had an absolute cakewalk last week with the Giants. So I think the 49ers do take it, and I do think it will be the Chiefs and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. But let me know what you guys think down below. Let me know what you think about the coaching carousel. Let me know what you guys think about the award finalists. Let me know what you guys think about the conference championship. I want to hear it all. I love hearing you guys' opinions. Uh, like I said, if you enjoyed, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to follow. I will be having a lot more content coming out. My next podcast episode will hopefully be out on Monday. Yes, it will be out on Monday. I'll be recapping the conference championship games and then giving my Super Bowl predictions. And then if any other coaches get hired, we'll talk about that as well. And then I will have a few videos hopefully coming out for you guys this week as well. So make sure to stay tuned. Love you guys. Thank you for watching. And I'll see you guys next episode.